Welcome to an all-new episode of the Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. On today's episode, I'll try to make friends with writer and producer Mark Blutman in less time than it took for you to develop a crush on Topanga from Boy Meets World. Let's get into it. I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. Mark, welcome to the podcast. We're going to be friends, aren't we? We're, we're going to try. You could That's be my awesome. first no, though. <laughs> you have you haven't gotten a no yet? Not yet. No. No. How many have you done a few more than a few of these? Like we, uh, So yeah, how many friends? Like, how many uh, friends do you like have? I think we're like 10 or 11. Yeah. That's amazing. You got yeah. 11 friends. I know. That's uh, it though. Just, I never age. had any friends uh, yeah. until a couple weeks ago, so that's awesome. Well, we'll see yeah. how it goes. We'll see. We'll no see promises. How it goes. No yeah, promises. Absolutely. And you know what? If I'm not your cup of tea, you can just you can let me know. Can I um, leave now? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us. <laughs> the quickest. I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if it paid the same, right, you could just dip out and be like, hey, there we go. 48 um, seconds. Peace out. Go ahead. Sorry. No doubt. No doubt. Well, hey, thanks for coming on today. Um, My pleasure. How is your how's your week going? It's a Friday. It's it's great. You know, I'm uh, I'm currently in Las Vegas and it's uh, okay. been 100 plus degrees every day. So it's it's. And, you know, the old, it's a dry heat. No, it's hot, and I go outside, and I drip, and it's not fun. (laughs) Um, But other than that, it's been a good week. Busy, busy working, writing, doing what I do, you know, so all good. It's funny that you bring up the dry heat because, like, people really do say that all the time. I've never actually been so. I'm in Chicago. I'm near Chicago. I won't, like I said, I won't say that I'm in Chicago uh, anymore, but I'm near Chicago, and uh, I've been in the Midwest most of my life. Overland? What's, oh, what's that? Over, is there a suburb Overland or something like that? Overbrook? Or, Orland? There Orland, are a lot of, that's it. Orland, Orland Park. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm north. So I'm like north of the city up by, um, I'm pretty close to Evanston where Northwestern is. Yeah, of course. Northwestern. Mike Greenberg. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a beautiful campus. So yeah, I've been in the Midwest my whole life and I have traveled to the Southwest and I always say that I want to live there, but I've never actually been in the summer. So maybe I should do that. It's, it's brutal. (laughs) I mean, it's brutal. It is. It's like, you know, I never thought I'd be that guy that sometimes like I'm just going to the grocery store and I have to bring a small towel. Mm -hmm. Like I'm that guy in the summer here. It's, it's oppressive. It's not fun. No, uh I actually, I like, I feel like I sweat all the time, so I would probably hate that, quite honestly. That could affect our friendship. It could, it could yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm not, but it's virtual. I, I'm not loaning you my towel. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll bring my own. Don't worry. Yes. Um, awesome. Well, I wanted to just give you a quick overview of the premise of the podcast. We'll go through three different rounds. Uh, so the first will be, I'll just kind of ask you questions about things that I, uh, about your life, like things that I have been able to find about you, things that we want to talk about. And then in the second round, we'll, it's called five for five. And so uh, we'll go back and forth with questions. So you can ask me five questions. I'll ask you five questions, but we'll do it like one at a time. So you can kind of see and respond and we can't like, we have to answer it. We can't like phone a friend or like pass on any of them, any of that. Uh, wow. And then the third round, we'll play a little game um, through one of those paper fortune tellers from the eighties. Like you open the paper thing, the origami looking fit. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 That's awesome. I love yeah. those. That's the signature in. So like, 
we'll get to it, but like basically behind the, f- the panels will be uh, like a different uh, activity. And so whichever one comes up, that's what we'll play. It'll be like the third round. And then I'll send you awesome. a friend request in real life. So that was like my, my cheap parents. I'd be like, I want a magic eight ball. I want a magic eight ball. And they'd say, here's a piece of paper and make it like yep. a thing. Yeah. yeah, I actually love these. We used uh, Magic Eight Ball to d- decide like where we were going to move and stuff when we came to Chicago. So we actually make life decisions wow. with the mag- a Magic Eight Ball. Yikes! Um, my wife and I, which is insane. Cool. Well, we'll just jump right in. Unless you have any other questions for me. No, this is great. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you. So. I believe that I found out that you are from Montreal, Canada, originally. Is that correct? It's uh, correct ish. Here's the ish. Okay. I was born. I was born in Newark, New Jersey, where my dad is from. Okay. And at the tender age of two and a half, we moved to Montreal, and my parents came with me. Because it would have been ridiculous at that age for me to go alone. My mom, being from Montreal, she did not like living in New Jersey. And the true story is one day she uh, went to the grocery store with me, came home with me, grocery bags, elevator door opened, and the elevator was filled with blood. Mm -hmm. And she said to my dad, we're going to Montreal. So we moved uh, back to her home city, Montreal, and uh, I lived there, I want to say, till around 83, and then I moved to L.A. Been there pretty much ever since. So that was going to be my next question is when did you come to the U.S. and and sort of what brought you? Was it it was work related, I'm assuming, or like in pursuit of work related? Yeah, I I had started doing stand up comedy at 19, uh, very young. Um, and I was getting gigs and I was, you know, not making a lot of money, but you know, I was getting paid, you know, a couple hundred bucks a night, whatever. And I wanted to expand upon that. So I started performing in the States. Besides in Canada, the Yuck Yucks, there was a chain of comedy clubs called Yuck Yucks. I would start going to New Jersey and then I'd go to Pittsburgh and then I started going West. I was headlining clubs in Utah, Colorado, all that. And finally in, uh, around 83, I went and I was also acting, so Uh, I I don't know if uh, you uncovered some of those gems, uh, such as, you know, yeah, I'll leave it to you then. Um, (laughs) uh, But anyway, so, yeah, I went to L.A. in 83. I was a regular at the comedy store and went out on auditions and did movies and TV and commercials and traveled around the country doing stand up for about 10 years, nine, 10 years. But you did you always want to be like a performer or did, what like what did you want to be when you were a kid when you were going to like I want to be this when I grow up what did hockey, you say hockey player that, of course. that I mean come on you know you're you're <laughs> 2 3 4 years old and your parents take you to an outdoor rink in the middle of winter and they throw you on the ice and leave and then yeah. if you can get up and move around and skate then you so I actually at the age of 10 like I I was pretty good I was a goaltender and okay. I played at a real high level. And uh, when I was like 10 years old, I played against Wayne Gretzky yeah. in a tournament. Uh, he scored 11 goals on me in one game. Um, but it was hockey. And then, uh, you know, when I was about 16, I started getting schools come after me. Uh, University of Vermont, Bowling Green, Middlebury College. Um, and then I ripped my knee up. And back then, um, you couldn't, you know, the surgeries were not as, you know, they were way more invasive back then. They didn't do arthroscopic surgery. So it was really hard to rehab, and I never really got back to the same level. 
and then um, started performing and uh, writing with a friend and uh, scammed an interview with Saturday Night Live when I was like 17 <laughs> years old. I don't know if you uncovered that story. Um, but, you know, we, uh, a buddy of mine in Montreal, we would get together every Saturday night, 11.35, and watch Saturday Night Live with the original cast, Gilda Radner, Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, Belushi, Garrett Morris, and loved the show. Just loved it. And we wrote a bunch of sample sketches and sent it in. And all of a sudden, one day, I'm at my house, it's like a Wednesday or something, and, uh... My buddy calls me and says, you're not going to believe this. I go, what? He goes, I just got off the phone with Lorne Michaels. And I'm like, what? Wow. He goes, Lorne Michaels called. I go, his assistant? No, Lorne called. I go, and? He said he loved, uh, loved the stuff and he wanted to bring us to New York for an interview. Wow. So at 17, uh, they bought us plane tickets. We flew to New York, but they had no idea we were kids. And we were right. literally, I mean, not only were we 17, we probably looked 15. And, you know, just bad complexions and greasy hair and skin. And we walked in and we were being interviewed by Franken and Davis. Al Franken and Tom Davis were the head writers back then, senator, uh, former senator, um, Al Franken. And yeah. they, we walked in and he looked up and Franken looked at us and went, uh, you guys are kids. <laughs> and we were like, yeah. And... But your resume, it says Second City. You worked at Second City. And we went, no, if you look closely, it just says Second City under comedy. We're just big fans of Second City. <laughs> and he goes, aren't you embarrassed that you manipulated us and fooled us into coming here for an interview and you're just kids who have never worked before? And we said, how do you feel that it happened to you? <laughs> right. That's and crazy. he laughed, and he laughed, and things were cool, and <laughs> but that was yeah, that was that was the first taste I got of show business and loving it. Yeah, um, I a couple of things. So you were, I will say, you were good at hockey. Wayne Gretzky was great at hockey, based on that story. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you were describing you guys walking into the Saturday Night Live offices, I pictured like the classic uh, like. Uh, my head's going to the chipmunks for some reason, but like you have them like stacked up with a trench coat on. That's kind of like how I envision you guys walking in. <laughs> yeah, it, it pretty much was uh, pretty close to that. I mean, they were they were shocked when they saw of, us. You know, yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, like I mean, you didn't have everybody has now like websites and like portfolios and packets and Twitter and all this. Like obviously that that's all. <laughs> come come in the last what like 20 shoot 15 years yeah um what so when when you guys were doing the sketches that you ended up i'm assuming mailing into them did you um were you just like did did you do it almost like a spec script like you just took existing characters and stuff that were on saturday night live and like did your own versions i i we may have done a couple of those certainly we wrote a bunch of news stories Okay. But then we created some original, a lot of original, um, like remember they, I, I don't know, you know, how far back you go, but was one of the classic sketches they did were uh, um, killer bees. They mm -hmm. did like the killer bees and stuff. They all dressed like, like bees. And we, we, we created like this, uh, these characters, harp seal hunters. They were a group of, you know, 
Canadian harp seal hunters that wore like, you know, hip waders and carried clubs and it was very inappropriate but very funny. Uh, we actually wrote a sketch that got ripped off by them, which I was not upset at all. I thought it was the greatest compliment. It was a commercial, uh, the first commercial from the uh, National Cloning Council. It's okay. back when they were starting to clone sheep and stuff. And it was the first humans that were cloned. Okay. But they looked nothing alike <laughs> because they were just getting it going. But they tried to say, we're clones. We've, you know, we're made in a lab. And look how identical we are. And, you know, it was like me and you, just two people that don't look anything alike. Right. Can you tell the difference? Anyway, that, that one uh, was, was borrowed. And then what we ended up doing, honestly, is uh, we were, it was in Montreal, that uh, they had uh, what was called CJEP. CJEP was like junior college. You would go for two okay. years before you would go to college. And so we're going to a school called Vanier, and we went, let's put on a show. Let's do our version of Saturday Night Live here called Vanier Live. So we went to student council. <laughs> the fools gave us a budget of like $4,000. <laughs> wow. And an office. So we had an office for an entire year, which is very cool when you're a student. Yeah. We hired... We, Audition students who wanted to be in the cast and we chose like seven or eight and we put on a show and uh, each night was sold out and then we did again in the winter so we did it in the fall then again in the winter with new material we sold t-shirts pins all that and made a lot of money and then went to Florida courtesy of our, our sales me and my buddy <laughs> Steve but that was that was uh, that was my life in school I was like producing comedy you know in school yeah it was fun it was cool that's, yeah that's fun um, you alluded to it a little bit earlier talking about stand-up and saying that you were like obviously booking and doing some of the road gigs there um, one of the things I did on Earth was a uh, was a persona named Crusher Comic. Can you explain what Crusher Comic is? Sure. So, <laughs> Crusher Comic was basically an ex wrestler turned mm -hmm. comedian, and he would come out in wrestling tights and boots and those Ric Flair style robes with dollar signs and sequins and a mask, so nobody knew who he was. And the gimmick was he was an ex-wrestler who got kicked out of wrestling because he would only fight little people. And finally they said, no more of this. And, and so he left wrestling and went into showbiz. And literally, the Crusher comic would come out to Eye of the Tiger okay, and, you know, pretend pounding to the music on people. Then I'd pick somebody up from the audience, airplane spin them, throw them down. And uh, it evolved, and all of a sudden, because wrestling was so huge in the 80s, uh, Crusher was on the cover of Wrestling World magazine two or three times, uh, did a TV show called Tuesday Night Titans with Vince McMahon, um, and I was selling out clubs all across the country for about five, six years in a row just because they thought I was a real ex-wrestler, and they never saw what I looked like. Okay. I always, always wore the mask. So, you know, after a show, I'd be in Colorado. I'd go there two, three times a year. I did really well there. And then, you know, after the show, I'd go in the green room, get undressed. Then I'd go hang out at the, at the bar, whatever, and turn to people and go, boy, that Crusher comic was pretty good, huh? And they're like, oh, yeah, this is our third time seeing him. 
And I go, yeah, he's one of the best. I mean, I just, wow, I'd love to meet him one day. And then a lot of these comedy clubs, uh, they would run these win a date with Crusher contests, the radio station. I'd okay. go to the local, you know, that local FM DJ. Hey, you're listening to the 107.6. We got the Crusher comic in studio. We're going to do a win a date thing. The winner gets to go out on a date with Crusher comic limo and dinner for two. Well, I would do all that in the mask. So I'd be sitting at like a Ruth, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse in my mask. That's amazing. Um, and that was the act I did at the comedy store for years. I was known as the Crusher comic. And to this day, old friends of mine, um, you know, who have been doing comedy forever. I, of course, stopped in the early 90s and became a writer-producer and all that. But like really great comics like Blake Clark, who's in all the Adam Sandler movies and... Jimmy Schubert and all these comics, they still call me Crusher, you know? <laughs> and it's... That's and awesome. I, yeah, it was fun. I, and then I got to go back to Montreal twice and do the Just for Laughs Festival. Oh, and fun. so it was great as my hometown to go back and do, like, these one-man shows and just have a blast. A lot of fun. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Was that, like, your first sort of um, role, I guess, in, like, let's call it acting? Cause it's a, it's a little different obviously, but you're embodying a, per, you're, you're taking on a persona, right? And yeah, playing a character. I, I'm definitely playing, you know, so I had done acting before and, and okay. I'm, I, w- I was a goofball and, you know, um, I, as far as professional acting jobs, um, I think I was 22, maybe I got cast in meatballs three opposite mm-hmm. Patrick Dempsey. So mm-hmm. I did that. I was on Hill street blues. I was on the show, all my children. So I'd done some acting stuff. And then in school, cause I was a terrible student, and I was doing the Vanier live thing and I had an office and there'd be props in, in my office and costumes. And so me and my partner one day, we went in and we put on that we were doing a cowboy sketch. So we had these toy guns, cowboy hat, vests, the whole bit. Uh, and uh, we went back into the classroom we, in the middle of uh, um, an economics exam, which I was horrible in. I'm not a numbers guy. And we took the class hostage in exchange for the correct answers. <laughs> and um, it got, it's very funny because it got written up and year or two later, we were thinking of sticking together as a comedy team and writing and performing. And there's a school in Canada uh, outside of Toronto called York University. Okay. And we were going and interviewing in the arts program and somehow the dean of arts knew we were coming in and he had read about us so he requested a meeting and we sat down with him and he goes you know i never meet students incoming students but i read up on you guys and and i understand you perform here at the local yuck yucks this and that and so we're just talking and he goes so is this true did you once take a class hostage at gunpoint and we looked at each other and we went, well, to be fair, it was a toy gun. Right. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And he goes, I want you in my school. I want you guys here. I hope that this works out. And it didn't. And we ended up splitting up. And then I moved to L.A. shortly after. But it was just funny. So, so acting. Yeah. And Crusher was an extension of all that. Because most of my act was just goofing around with the audience you know mm-hmm. i would perform for an hour i maybe had 20 minutes of material it was just right. a lot of you know spritzing with the audience and bringing people up on stage and doing audience participation stuff and uh yeah. much like you my act was making friends yeah i would yeah. make friends with the audience 
Well, and, and it's, it's appropriate because, uh, for people that may not be huge wrestling fans, like a lot of wrestling outside of the TV or pay-per-view world is getting crowd reaction, right? Like working the crowd, uh, like house shows and things like that. It's, you know, that's, I prefer a house show over a TV show any day, uh, for, for wrestling. Um, okay. I want to touch on the Patrick Dempsey meatballs three. So, um, (laughs) it's, it's kind of a weird tangent, but like, obviously most of America, I think knows Patrick Dempsey now as, uh, McDreamy, uh, from Grey's Anatomy, if you would have continued acting and you were cast on Grey's Anatomy, what do you think your nickname would have been? Um, Mick Not Dreamy. <laughs> um, you know, whatever Patrick was called, I would have been the, uh, you know, oppo man. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I think I was cute for a blutman, you know. I think that's probably the greatest compliment <laughs> that I get. In my family, I'm considered cute. Okay. But once I go out the front door, then all bets are off. Yeah. It's like when somebody says they're like in Ohio, there was like, I'm an Ohio seven and an LA right. two, two or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. I was a, bl- I was a Blutman 10. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's fast forward a little bit to you, uh, like getting started in TV writing. So, you know, obviously you did the sketch and did the stand up, and then, uh, what was your first TV writing job? My first job was, uh, a buddy of mine had a variety show on CBS. Uh, Howie Mandel had a variety show on CBS called Howie. Uh, mm-hmm. it took us days to come up with the name. Um, Like days locked in a room And then we went, Howie, of course Um, And so we were A summer show, eight episodes But for me, one of the highlights of that show Was uh, The band leader Was the late, great Clarence Clemens Springsteen's big man From the Mm -hmm. E Street Band So I love Springsteen, he's one of my favorites So getting to work with Clarence Clemens was amazing. That was my first TV job. Then my big job after that was uh, a show called Good Advice, starring Shelley Long and Treat Williams. And there's an interesting story behind that, too. So that ran for a year, and it was Shelley Long just after Cheers. So basically, I had a meeting at the studio was TriStar, and I had a partner back then uh, named Howard, and uh, we get called in for a meeting, and my friend says, you're going to go in and meet the showrunner. His name is Danny Jacobson. And we go in, and the meeting is literally 30 seconds, because Danny Jacobson was more interested in the horses running at Santa Anita. So he had a form, you know, a program on his desk. As we walk in, he's picking horses, a bag of weed. It would be an easy meeting. And he just looks up and goes, I don't have time. I love you. I love love you guys. And we're like, you don't know us. I love you guys. I read your script. You read our script. I read the, 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 the cover page. The cover page looked great. You wrote a, 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 a Seinfeld, right? And I went, yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah, it was good. I go, you didn't read? He goes, no, it doesn't matter. Here's two. You came highly recommended by the studio and the network. I went, great. Here's two VHS tapes, okay? He hands us two tapes. Go in the room, watch them both. Whichever show you want to do, you're hired, right? So we watched the first one is good advice. As I said, Shelley Long coming off of Cheers, biggest TV star going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Treat Williams, and then a great supporting cast, Estelle Harris, who played George Costanza's mom on Seinfeld, uh, George Weiner, Lightfield Lewis, all these great people. And the premise was Shelley Long was a marriage counselor trying to keep people together. And Treat Williams was a cutthroat, 
shark divorce attorney mm-hmm. and they were sharing a common office space. So we watched that and go, this show's going to, it's going to run forever. The premise is just classic sitcom premise. And, you know, we watched the other show and we went, nah. And so we go back to Danny and we go, Danny, it's, it's a no-brainer. We're, we're, we're going to do good advice. And so it lasted a year. And the show we said no to was Mad About You. <laughs> so ran, ran, ran about 11 years and then they did a reboot a couple yeah. of years ago. Wow. But that was, that was the first job. And after that, uh, I did a show in Canada called The Mighty Jungle with animatronic uh, animals. And the great thing about that show before I did Boy Meets World was I worked for uh, a man by the name of Bernie Ornstein. And uh, most people will not know, and that's one of the things that I kind of, you know, not get frustrated, but I think it's their loss. A lot of up-and-coming writers, they don't really know the history. They don't know the Gary David Goldbergs, the Stan Daniels, the James L. Brooks, you know, just all the geniuses that wrote the classic sitcoms and Bernie Ornstein he had a partner Saul Turtletaub and they wrote and ran shows like The Monkees and That Girl and Sanford and Son and What's Happening and Kate Nally and What's Happening Again and just all these classic shows and we were on location in Toronto both me and him so we had places near each other and we would go out every night for dinner and he would just let me pick his brain and I love old show business. And talk about friends and fast becoming friends. We bonded instantly. And I just love listening to all the stories of working, you know, with people like Jackie Gleason and, 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 and you know, then working like with the monkeys and, and, and Red Fox and just all that. And everything good that I learned about running a show, I learned from Bernie. And, mm. and so I was really, really fortunate to be up there. We spent a year together. We're still friends to this day. He's retired, lives in Connecticut, but I still, you know, talk to him. And believe it or not, you know, he's like 90 now and he's, he's on Instagram and all that stuff. So oh, it's that's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. So yeah. I was very, very blessed. Yeah. It's always great when you, like you said, like to have those people that you can just absorb knowledge from, right. Um, and take it in like a sponge. So you, you mentioned in passing, like obviously you did this little show called boy meets world that for people in, in my generation and a little younger, um, obviously was like a mainstay of, of our adolescent years, um, adolescent, no, our teenage years. Um, I guess walk me through first how you got involved. And then I have a couple specific questions about, about that show too. So I was still working with Howard back then, and uh, we had a meeting on year one, and we didn't end up doing it. Um, The show we both felt was in year one just a little too young, a little too cutesy, but they really liked us and called us back in for year two. And they said, we're edging up the show. We're going to skip a couple of grades. We're going to throw Corey and Sean into high school. We're bringing in like the cool hip teacher, Mr. Turner, and we're going to populate the hallways. And then I helped them create Harley, Frankie and Joey. And um, so the show, that's where it really, to me and to, to the audience as well, where it really took shape was year two. And so I was super excited to join that, that um, staff. And in year one, and it's unheard of, we did, I think, 24 episodes. Howard and I wrote five or six of them 
which is unheard of for you know a young writer. And we rose very quickly and ran the show uh, within three years while Michael Jacobs uh, was off doing other shows. We were running Boy Meets World, and it was just a beyond uh, a privilege. And and you know the interesting thing, you know, before you you jump in and 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 ask some specific questions. I don't mean to cut you off, but what's so interesting is we knew we were doing a good show. I mean, we were top 15, top 10 sometimes. You know, back then, the ratings, we were on a Friday night, like 20 million people would watch, sometimes 24 million. That's unheard of today. But we never really knew the effect we were having on our audience till way, way later with social media and then Girl Meets World. So now we're doing Girl Meets World and Corey and Topanga are back and all these fans like yourself are now reaching out to us on Twitter and, and saying, oh my gosh, you affected my life, the episode you did where Sean and Corey were protecting the young girl who was being abused by her father, it helped save my life, I was being abused by a, a relative and we, all these people were now able to reach out to us. So it wasn't till years later where I really realized, where I went, oh my gosh, Writing this kind of content, which most of my career is family YA stuff, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until years later where I realized what a legacy I'm actually going to leave, you know, along with Michael, certainly, who created sh- those shows, and other uh, writers like Matt Nelson and Jeff Manel, and, you know, so many of us who, Jeff Sherman, who were a part for so many years of, of uh, really speaking to young people you know, like yourselves, young teenagers. Yeah. That's got to feel good, right? To, to have people reach out so much long, uh, so much later and kind of say, yeah, you helped me with this or like, I'm watching this with my kid now or whatever the case may be. Right. Cause I think like girl meets world, I had a lot of, um, by the time that came out, like I had a lot of friends who had children and would watch it with them. Right. And sort of, it was like, they, it was like a Disney movie. Like they were enjoying it. The kids were enjoying it. Right. Everybody wins. Yeah. So a couple specific questions. What do you think it is about the show that made it work then and also still hold up today? Right. Cause the original run I think was like 93 to 2000 ish. Yeah, that- about ni- yeah, 93 to 99 ish. Something like okay. that. Uh, okay. 147 episodes, which is unheard of. Yeah. Uh, nowadays. So one of the things that Michael taught me that I use in all my own writing is he said to me a long time ago, he said, anybody can make an audience laugh Mm -hmm. and that's great, but not anybody has the desire to or can make an audience feel. And if you make your audience feel, they will come back over and over again. They may not even know why they're hooked, but it's, it's hitting the emotion. So Every, you know, and it's not those heavy on the nose after school messages. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about that. It's just having real genuine moments that are resonant with an audience and they can picture themselves. And, and, and you know, the friendship certainly between Corey and Sean was as important as the friendship slash romance between Corey and Topanga. You know, the friendship was really, really strong and the brother relationship. And, you know, one of the things that separated us from the other Friday night shows and certainly shows like Saved by the Bell or whatever is we never talked down to our audience, never. Mm -hmm. Every 
few episodes we would really challenge them and do heady material and even when we did Girl Meets World you know that was different because that was on Disney Channel and the executives at Disney would come to us and say kids don't talk like that and the subject matter is too adult nobody's and we're like dude really kids are five years ahead of their age if they're eight they're watching 13 year old content my kids learned they don't they didn't need me and and their mom to teach them about Life. They learned everything from The Simpsons when they were younger, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. And siblings always watch up with their older siblings. Absolutely. And, 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 and so those were part of the things. You know, Michael was one of the, the best in the business at, at that kind of show. I think he put 16 shows on the air. He just knew the formula, and I learned from him and then replicated it whenever I could and replicated it with the Olsen twins when I ran one of their shows. And, and I, I think it's a combination of all that. It's have heart. Be real, don't dumb it down. You know, Nickelodeon lives on, you know, the those over the top, you know, oh my gosh, all the kids fell in a giant vat of melted cheese. Now what? Now what? Roll around in this giant burrito. I mean, it's like, I can't do that. Right, right. I, I, can, yeah. I can't, you know. Yeah. So I think those were really, I think, the keys to success. It just, it was, and it's ironic because Ben's brother, you know, of course, was Kevin Arnold, Wonder Years. Mm -hmm. It was, for a multicam sitcom, it really was a coming-of-age show. And most multicam sitcoms with kids that age are not coming-of-age shows. And it truly was, you know, mm -hmm. for Corey and Topanga. It was, you know, coming-of-age. Yeah, it's it's still I love I love watching it now even right like I I'll sit and say like oh I remember this you know this episode or whatever, um, but yeah I think it still resonates today. What's the What's the wildest story you have from <laughs> from your time on Boy Meets World? Gosh, I would say we did an episode where Will Friedle, Eric Matthews, and um, Matt Lawrence, Jack Hunter, were at college, and um, they met the dean because Eric's whole thing was, I want my key to high school, John Adams High was my relationship with Feeney. We need a Feeney mm -hmm. here. Yep. And the dean's going to love us. So we cast Paul Gleason, uh, who I believe has passed away, as, as the dean. And Paul was the principal in Breakfast Club, mm -hmm. the movie Breakfast Club. So he was, you know, coming off that. People knew him from that. So we cast him. Well, the first day, somebody from the crew comes up to me and said, um, he's drunk. <laughs> so that's not a good thing on a, a kid's show. Nope. And so I, I had to go talk to him and send him home for the day. So that was pretty crazy. But then overall, and this is probably where you were going, so you're probably surprised I didn't go there. But the wildest, wildest, wildest event during my time of, uh, of Boy Meets World was when we shot an episode with Vader as Frankie Stacchino's father. We shot it during a live house show at the pond. Mm -hmm. was, was that what you 
wanted me to to go to because that's no no not, I mean not necess- not necessarily okay. I obviously I I, w- I remember that episode very fondly yeah. um, but yeah so, no I, I honestly just kind of wanted to know because yeah. you hear all these especially on on shows where there are teenagers <laughs> um, and they're like kind of growing up before our eyes and then like behind the scenes like there's all these crazy stories right like we, so I didn't know if there we was were any so, of- no and I I could tell the Vader story after too but as far as that kind of stuff our cast was incredible we had no nightmares. You know, we had That's great, you know, and it all has to do with the families and these families were great families, all of them. And so the kids were a reflection of their upbringing. So we really didn't have those kind of issues. You know, I think there was um, a period of time where Danielle was dating Lance Bass and I think was really fond of him. And we're all like, do we tell her he's <laughs> it may not go the distance mm-hmm. or do we stay out? of We'll stay out of it. We'll just let her discover, you know, who Mr. Bass is. Um, so, you know, it was just goofy stuff like that. But th- these kids were just so amazing. And, and that's why it was even you know, more of a blessing to do girl and, and to reunite with Ben and Danielle. Danielle, I adore. I'm very close. I'm yeah. close with all of them, but Danielle, I talk to a lot. She's happily married and, you know, about to have her second kid. And I, I just, you know, the, to see them, to know them as 12 year olds and then see them, you know, grow up and get married and have kids. It's, 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 it's pretty fulfilling, but the Vader thing was tough because it was my crazy idea to bring Vader <laughs> on the show. And then, cause I love wrestling and, you know, um, and then it was my even brainier idea to film during a live house show in Anaheim. <laughs> and so, as you know, the wrestling uh, marks are pretty smart, most of them anyway, the smart marks. And so they knew we were filming A Boy Meets World during the live show. And so they would have some fun with us. And that Monday, I get a call from our editor who says, Blutman, you better get down to editing right now. I go, can I come? No, you better come right now. And so I go in and he plays me uh, a couple of scenes. And the audience knew that if they yelled inappropriate things, they'd be recorded because it's, mm-hmm. you know, and it would be married to the soundtrack, to the master. So I'm, you know, seeing these scenes between Corey, Sean, and Frankie, and Vader as his dad, and I hear people yelling, Corey and Sean, Mr. <laughs> Feeney is a And so I had to have the cast come in, you know, the next day and re-loop all the dialogue. So that, it was risky, but, you know, as Bruce Arian says, no, no risk it, no biscuit. And the episode <laughs> turned out great, especially for the last scene of Corey and Topanga doing the Sweet 16 dance in the ring. Yeah. You know, in the empty arena. It was just a great shot. We pulled back. So that was just me, you know, thinking I could do something and then facing the challenges and it being pretty wild. Vader in general was just wild. Like we had to have a swear jar on set because he kept (laughs) swearing in front of the kids. He would blow a line and go, ah, yeah. Blow another line and go, damn it, F this. And we're like, (laughs) the kids are like, And so we're like, well, if we put a swear jar, Invader has to put money in it. And so, but Leon was great. Leon White, of course, is Vader. He's passed mm-hmm. away a few years ago, but he, he did about four or five episodes. And he was just, you know, as they say, they, the phrase gentle giant, he kind of was. He was a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty awesome dude. And yeah. Bruce Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard, who's head of creative at WWE, he came down and did Brother Love for us. 
Yep. And uh, I still talk to Bruce all the time. Yeah, Bruce is... <laughs> I was going to say he's he's back there now. I know he's been on and off right there. For somebody that was a wrestling fan and also watched obviously Boy Meets World, like it was it was great to see the sort of two come together. Thanks for listening to Fast Friends. We'll be right back after this quick message. Summer is finally in full swing. We've waited so long to be able to leave our quarantine bubbles and get out of the house. I just recently got my bike tuned, so I'm excited to take it out for a spin. But you know what I'm not excited about? Getting hangry while I'm out on the trail. As you head outside, don't forget to take Paps Jerky with you. Paps makes beef jerky and beef sticks to fuel your outdoor lifestyle. They come in unique original flavors like Pitmasters, Hot, and my personal favorite, Grippo's Barbecue. You know what they say, you can take the boy out of Cincinnati, but you can't take the Cincinnati out of the boy. And right now, Fast Friends listeners can receive 15% off their first order by entering promo code FASTFRIENDS15 at PapsJerky.com. So save up, fuel up, and get outside. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to go to a show now that, that you worked on a couple years, uh, well, started a couple years back, and it's still, I think, going. It's Ghost Rider that was on Apple TV. That's sort of like a reimagining of a previous series, I believe. Can you give like an elevator pitch to people that may not have seen any of it? Uh, our version? Not a pitch, but a yeah, summary. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, our version of Ghost Rider is uh, a group of kids are brought together when they all experience um, uh, a ghost in their midst. And so they're strangers in school who are brought together. And ultimately, the ghost takes them along on a journey, leaving clues and for them to solve a mystery of actually who the ghost is and what the unfinished business of the ghost is. Now, it's a very... Sesame Street Workshop is one of the studios involved, so it's a very pro-literacy show Mm -hmm. and each group of episodes two or three episode arcs a classic kids book the characters will come out of the book and participate uh in the storyline with the kids so we'll have uh, characters from you know alice through the looking glass alice in wonderland if you will Mm -hmm. um sherlock holmes and uh dr watson uh frankenstein it just took off kids loved it parents loved it and uh I, I actually won my first Emmy uh, on yeah, that show, which thanks, and uh, you know had a bunch of other nominations that we didn't win, but but that we won that, uh, last year, and um, we did 26 episodes. They're doing some more now. I'm not. I did not go back. I had a movie that I was. Uh, had a finish and so there was a conflict in time they were not going to bring the show back and they brought it back at the last minute because we got all these awards right um but i that's you know basically it and you know kids are led down a road thinking they know oh my gosh uh the ghost has to be ruben's grandmother and you know it's a mislead and it's not and it really is a very clever show and here's the irony of everything this is life is just incredible so I mentioned my first showrunner was Bernie Ornstein from Ornstein and Turtletop. The showrunner on this show, who became a dear friend of mine, and I was available, he said, come, come help with the show, is Bernie Ornstein's nephew, Andrew Ornstein. Okay. 
And so, and Andrew is a great writer. He worked on Third Rock from the Sun, Malcolm in the Middle, Everybody Hates Chris, all that. And so we got to work together for a year and it was amazing. But it was just, you know, yeah. how it wow. works out. Yeah. Well, congrats on the Emmy. I know, like I said, um, well, I didn't say, but like I'm going to say, uh, you, I, I could, yeah, I was going to ask you where you keep it. Right behind me. <laughs> I would keep it with me all the time, honestly. Um, it was nominated for a ton of awards, and I think this is um, speaks to the volume of like how well it's received. It also like gets audience acclaim, right? Like I feel like the score on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff was like super like above normal, right? What, so really? I don't know. I never checked that. Is it? Yeah, I think it's like a hundred. Last time I checked, I think it had like a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes score. So for something really? that like the industry loves and people love, sometimes those aren't always in you know together. So wow, hang on, yeah. dirty, rotten. <laughs> this is cool. I never checked that stuff. Hold on, here it is. Here it is. What if I read it? And it's like twenty-two. Oh God! Then you'll be like Logan. You don't know how to use Google. Oh my gosh! Look. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent, and then audience has it at seventy-four. Okay, hang on, I, I I need to put in five stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they probably won't accept it. All right, sorry. <laughs> Let's bump that up, listeners. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, my last question for you in this first segment section is: I know that you you've mentioned this before. You're a lifelong wrestling fan. Obviously, they have a great creative force. Have you ever considered doing any writing for WWE, or has it come up in conversations with people like Bruce? So I'm friends with Bruce. I'm friends with Paul Heyman. Friends with a bunch of the the guys and girls that work in the business. Samoa Joe is one of my closest friends. Uh, a bunch of others. Uh, Renee Young lives in Vegas, about 20 minutes, Renee Paquette. So yeah. I know a lot of the people. And uh, I actually was there for three months before the okay. pandemic. I was writing and producing because it was a bucket list thing. Yeah. And so I was there for about three, three and a half months in Stamford. So. Wow, fun. Yeah, I checked that one <laughs> off my list. <laughs> I hear that that can be a really high-stress environment. So um. Yeah, I, 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 I was able to not let the stress get to me, but those who have been there, uh, you know, lifers and stuff like Bruce, a, a yeah. lot of stress for sure. Yeah, I have a couple of friends who have been through that, uh, through there. They haven't, they haven't stayed. So yeah, interesting. So Renee's husband, John, I was a creative writer at a wrestling company in Cincinnati that was a developmental league at for WWE. It was called HWA. Uh, that's where he trained. Um, oh, wow. and so I gave, <laughs> I, I don't know if he remembers this or not, but I actually gave him his first character there, which was a terrible character by the way. But you could tell like when he walked through the door just to even train there, because obviously our job was first and foremost to train him. Cause it was a training camp, like training school. Um, the creative and the, and the programming was secondary, but, um, yeah, he, you could tell when he walked in like, okay, this kid, like, if he doesn't make it, it's not going to be for lack of effort. So what was the character? Because when we're done, I'll text Renee. I'll just. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it was called his name. Well, it was John Moxley, which isn't bad in and of itself. But he was on a tag team that was called Necessary Roughness that were two okay. football players. Okay. And they had a cheerleader with them. Similar, like probably <laughs> more poorly executed than like the Varsity Blondes Varsity right now. Blondes, if you watch yeah. AEW. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, but that was his first character. Was, and I always have wondered there's if if this happens to get to the airwaves, there, his tag team partner was a really really young also talented guy named jimmy turner that was like his shoot name and his wrestling name but like i have no idea what happened to jimmy turner like moxley went the way of Shawn michaels 
Jimmy Turner literally fell off the face of the earth. And so I have wondered so many times I cannot find him at all. Uh, Cause I just want to know, like, is he, what's he doing? Is he okay? You know, I'll ask. Uh, yeah. He I'll may ask not know. if they know. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, funny wrestling is such a fun world. Uh, what's next for you? What's, what's, what else do you have uh, lined up that you're allowed to talk about? I, well, this was announced, so it's public. I'm adapting a book series called gripped. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this author, Stacy Pajula, wrote these five books set in Boston that deal with uh, high school and college football and opioid addiction. And it's kind of uh, how bad things and addictions uh, go on in good, good families. Mm-hmm. And so I read the books and I was blown away by them and, and thought this is a really important because it's an epidemic. I mean, these kids are getting prescribed painkillers that they can't get off of and so we're going to do is the series is kind of like Friday Night Lights meets Euphoria and so I'm in the middle of developing that and I'm developing another series with director Andy Fickman uh, Andy in movies he started The Rock off in all The Rock's early movies uh, I think Game Plan and I don't know if Tooth Fairy Bridge to Terabithia I know he, he did and stuff like that and in TV he did all he does all the Kevin James's stuff and he also his company created and he directed Live and Maddie so uh, with their company uh, it's Andy Fickman Betsy Sullinger we have a, a show called Mickey Fabulous that's the one I, I alluded to earlier Jamaican 15 year old female female Jamaican boxer and oh, her cool. dysfunctional dysfunctional Jamaican family and it's a coming of age series kind of like the tone of like on my block Cobra Kai you know that okay. kind of thing and so we're uh, developing that right now and I have a movie out that's being shopped right now that I just finished recently and so busy Oh, yeah. And another show goes out on Monday to market. So we'll see what happens, which is really fun. It's called The Users. It's about three kind of lazy goofball life hacks from New Hampshire. Okay. Who who moved to Hollywood, willing to do whatever it takes to make it in showbiz, except work hard. (laughs) And so they're the users. They just use people. And in the pilot episode, they kidnap uh, Adam Sandler's dog in exchange for a meeting. Uh, and so it's kind of like Entourage meets It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's really okay. cool. I like Very it a cool. lot. Where, so, is, where uh, can people busy. see that? Not yet. We're shopping it. We start oh, shopping oh. it. Yeah, so I had uh, a development deal and uh, developed it uh, with these two guys, the Nice Twins, who were on Umbrella Academy. So we take it out, you know, to market on Monday. So we'll see what okay. happens. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I misunderstood that. I thought no, you no, no, it was no worries. No worries. Premiering. I was like, cool. Ah, I, yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Awesome. Well, those are the those are the questions I had for you in the first round. Are you okay to stick around for round two? Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So, like I said, this how's this go? Going, how's the friendship going? How are we doing? I mean, I feel like it's good. I don't, you know, okay. unless unless you're going to turn on me like last minute and super heal out. Yeah, you know, if it gets me over, I may have to. Hey, I I won't judge you for that. Yeah, um, I'll take the heat. No problem. <laughs> Uh, so this round is called Five for Five. It is a tribute to my, one of my favorite meals as a teenager at Arby's. And so you can ask the first question if you'd like, since you're the guest. Every, you know, you ask a question, I'll ask a question. We'll just kind of play it by ear. Well, my first question is, you have a t-shirt. You have a graphic or writing on a t-shirt, but you're hiding it. So people oh. are going to look and wonder what the heck it says. Now it's behind the microphone. So yeah. what does your t-shirt say? 
So my T-shirt it says Platinum Max Caster, who is an AEW wrestler. Yeah. Um, that I'm a big fan of. So, so I actually I. probably have. Yeah, he's great. I think I, he hasn't. He hasn't been on TV in a while. No, no, he hasn't. He's been doing more of like the darks, the AEW okay. darks and stuff on YouTube. His diss tracks are amazing, and and he's been doing some for like even TMZ and things like that. Yeah. And I think uh, he. I think he spits better than Cena did. Way better. A hundred percent. Like if it was a rap battle, he would destroy John. Destroy him. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, this is, it's a a platinum max caster t-shirt. I guess, you know what? I'll give him a free plug. It's at prowrestlingtees.com. Of course. Uh, Yeah, of course. And, uh, I honestly think I have probably like six or seven of his shirts. That's awesome. He releases them a lot. Like he, he's really on top of like getting on uh, in front of that merch game. Yeah. My first question for you is. (laughs) <laughs> what white lie do you tell most often? Wow. What white lie <laughs> do I tell most often? You know, that I'm going to kind of delay a little as I think of an answer. It's funny because I, I talk a lot to both my kids and to friends about how it's such a lost virtue in our culture like people just love lying and can't tell the truth and I raise my kids to like just own up if you mess up like don't make up an excuse just say I messed up like yeah. there's value in that I, I think I probably white lied to myself this morning and I've done it a lot in the last two three weeks about I'm gonna go to the gym oh, when sure, I wake yeah. up but I generally that's about it I generally don't like I don't white lie, you yeah. know. I just, I just, I really believe in like, hey, sorry, I messed up. And but my word is like, if I tell somebody, like I'm that guy, like, like if I go to the cleaners because they said Tuesday at five, and I go to pick up my clothes at Tuesday at five, and it's not ready, I'm like, dude, like you said Tuesday at five, why'd you lie? Right. Like, you could have said to me, sorry, Mark, your shirts won't be ready for three years, and mm-hmm. I'd be. Okay, cool. Thanks for telling me. I'll go somewhere else. But if you say Tuesday... And so I was raised that way by my dad. That's how I raised my kids. If I tell somebody that, you know, I'll do a a meeting or a call at, you know, Tuesday at 6 o'clock, I'll do it at 6. And if I can't, I'll contact you. I just won't, like, not show up. So that's why I really... I don't have some great white lies. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. Okay, so it's time for your second question for me. There's a, looks like a wrestling poster above your left, uh, well, your your left shoulder, yeah. Okay. Who is it? Tell me about it. What is it? Um, They're alive back there, so. Yeah, no, 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 the the reddish background. Guys. Andre the Giant. That's who I can't see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, Andre, it's an Andre the Giant print that I actually got from... (laughs) From uh, Jensen's gallery, so Danielle's husband. Jensen Carp. Um, yeah. Wow. So it came from uh, that gallery. It's a print. It's not an original. Um, but it, we went, my wife and I went to L.A. F- uh, a few years ago, and they had been doing a wrestling-themed um, exhibit there. And when I Jensen, was there. Jensen worked at WWE. Yes. Oh, yeah. So Jensen, <laughs> Jensen and I, uh, we don't, I wouldn't say we're friends by any means. Um, I would love to be friends with him. We Um, he's somebody that like, I look up to from like the fact that I feel like he's always pursuing like a lot of different creative endeavors. And I think he's really smart and really funny and all of that. So, um, he was little Dicky before little Dicky. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so he has a great book too. If anyone's listening, it's called, uh, Kanye West owes me $300, um, which is uh, an amazing book. I hit him up though, like randomly on Twitter. This is so random and ask him, like, I was like, I'm going to be in LA for work. Like, do you, would you be able to like grab coffee and just like catch up and give like advice? And he totally did. Like, wow. Just what, like, I honestly, like what he doesn't owe me shit. So, but yeah, that print came from, from there. When, when we were there, I didn't get it because I was like being cheap. And then I got home and I just kept saying like, I really want that Andre the giant print. I really want that Andre the giant print. I should have gotten it. And then my mother-in-law got it for me for Christmas. That's awesome. So the first, um, huge match that I saw live, like, and I mean like big main event, they called it the match of the century in Montreal. It was Andre the Giant uh, versus Don Leo Jonathan, who was uh, this guy from Salt Lake City. They called him the Mormon Giant. He was about 6'8", 6'9". And so I I saw that live and I was, you know, I was just so hooked. Just so hooked. Saw Andre fight in Toronto against the original Sheik. You know, they had that match down seven and a half minutes, pencil, 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 pencil. I loved and and the the HBO documentary was just amazing on Andre. Yeah, just I, amazing. I think it's I think it's cool that WWE is branching out and doing like some of those cool things, right? Where where they're like working. I don't know because you know like Stephanie was involved in that, uh, and more than just Stephanie. But like it's very cool that they're like embracing sort of their and like I don't know I don't want to say like exposing but like they're giving access to a lot of the great stories I think that have happened within their walls um to other people which I think is great yeah I mean you know because I used to love a Stone Cold's podcast you know now it's on the network of course yeah um (laughs) but but they yeah they have to they have to open it up you know they have to evolve with the rest of the world and stuff but um yeah, that uh, love Andre. Just, I mean, just amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So that's that's what that is. Cool. My wife has finally let me start to display it now that we moved and we have more space. So I have all of this. This is like my toy room, your, I guess. Your rest, your wrestling cave. My wrestling cave. Yeah. Um, cool. My second question for you is: What's the most impressive thing that you know how to do? Wow. Pour moi, c'est pas français fluent. For me, it's speaking fluent French. I'm yeah, completely yeah. bilingual. Je peux parler français. Quand j'étais uh, jeune, uh, je connais le français. Quand j'habite à Montréal, uh, uh, il y a cinq ans, j'y vais va au Paris. Et pour moi, c'est facile parce que je parle à tous les gens en français. So basically, I've been speaking French since I was a little kid in Montreal, and uh, for me, it comes in handy. I recently went to Paris, and I was able to talk to everybody in French. It made life easy. Oh, that's great. You could also have a full-on conversation with Maurice. Mrs. Miss. <laughs> needed to. Yes. Love them, too. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. It's time for your third question for me. You've done about 10 of these. Who's your best friend? My best friend. Oh, so my first episode was with my actual best friend. Because I wanted to kind of establish the premise um, and talk about like what I was trying to do and gain his advice. Um, so we've been friends for, geez, half of our life, uh, 20, 22 years at this point. Um, and uh, so it was with him. His name is Jared Rollins. He's um, so, yeah, he's absolutely my best friend of the new people that I've met. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like everyone plays a different role, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, but 
I would say so far. I'm right here. I know. I know. Well, we're not done yet. Jeez. <laughs> we're we're okay. not done yet. You haven't given me your right. answer, All to right. be fair. This, this rests in your hands, too. So there's a comedian named Rob Hayes, who I love and look up to so much because I like doing stand-up, too. And we hit it off actually way better than I thought we would. Good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. My third question for you is... Yes. Because I really trust your advice on, on this. What's one TV show that I'm not watching, but I should be? Call my agent. That's the name of the show, or you want yeah. me to call your agent? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Am I not getting paid for this? No. Call my agent is on Netflix. Uh, it's French. There are okay. subtitles. It's about a Parisian talent agency. The characters are incredible. You know, that's that's my favorite. Of course, the popular opinion is you know Ted Lasso. People yeah. love that. I did as well. Bill Lawrence uh, runs that show, and he's amazing. I like Atypical on Netflix. Okay. But for me, you know, Call My Agent was that show where, uh, and I think it was six episodes a season, and they did, I think, four. But when it was over, 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 I was like, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, one of the actresses uh, who plays uh, one of the agents. Her name is uh, Camille Cotin, C-O-T-T-I-N. She's the French girl in Matt Damon's new movie, Stillwater. Okay. And she's amazing. She's just amazing. So that, you know, that's kind of my, you know. We'll have to put that on our list. I mean, I, I like Dave also, although I don't, the second season is not quite as good as the first one, except for the one episode with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is amazing. <laughs> but so call my agent. We'll check that out. If you're listening yeah. at home, check that out too. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, your fourth question for me. So we've talked a lot about wrestling. Yeah, and yeah. you've been a fan for many years, I assume, since you I were. Have. Yeah. Um, so like a young kid. Yeah. yeah. So what was your character that if you were going to be a professional wrestler, that your make-believe character that you messed around on the beds or couches or backyard? What was your wrestling persona? My buddy Jared, the one that that is my best friend, we um, used to do so embarrassing. You know, there's like e-feds. They were big, like in the late, maybe like early 2000s. So you would basically go on and like write promos and like write storylines and you would play like a character. But it was like all simulated, right? Like virtual. Okay. Um, so we actually had characters. My character's name was. Sh <laughs> Remember, this was during the, the Attitude Era. Please, please forgive me. Uh, and this was before I started booking terrible things like John's first character. My character's name was Sean T. Dillon, or STD. Um, <laughs> and he Jeez. was a, I know, he was a, he was a fraternity, like a frat member. So he was tag team partners with another guy named uh, Jordan Cage, and they were the frat boys. And yeah, I mean, like, my this was when, like, people used to send those, um, like, in everyone had a hotmail and you would send those like surveys where you would put those like creative answers right? and then like send them to everyone in your email list. I like started copying people that I would get from the full chain of those. And I sent like a weekly uh, newsletter called STD spreads. Oh geez. I know it was terrible. It was terrible. What a, what a great question by me to get <laughs> yeah. that answer. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. What a gem. Wow. You, now you can sleep at night knowing. Uh, now, so if you want to subscribe did, to that newsletter. Did your opponents, would they defeat you by shoving antibiotics down your throat? <laughs> if they were Just smart, like, yeah. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> ah, 
podcasts. I mean, it was. I mean, STD it was like. is gone. <laughs> it was pure Vince Russo. Yes. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. at the time. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was. It's embarrassing, but that's that was the wrestling persona that I loved the most. And um, the efeds were really fun. They were a fun way to like get to do like sort of fantasy booking and stuff like that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Your my turn. fourth. Yeah, my fourth question for you. So you obviously write and produce for a living. So what is your creative outlet? Honestly, aside from what I do, you mean besides writing? Yeah, Because yeah. writing is an outlet. Yeah. Um, I love going to hockey games. You know, yeah. we have season tickets to the Golden Knights, and they've turned into a great team, a great story from year one, four years ago. Um, so I, I love following them. It's hanging with my boys. They're big sports nuts. They're 21 now and about to be 23, and they have their own thing going. Uh, Liam, uh, you can find him on Twitter, at no context CFB. It's a huge, huge site. Uh, they have almost 100,000, 75,000 followers, and followed by this big cat and Scott Van Pelt and all that, and he does amazing with that. And... Uh, Luke has a company, also a sports company in marketing and branding. So uh, it's hanging with them and just doing my thing. And he's got merch coming and uh, sponsorship this year. Some big companies have approached him because his impressions are ridiculous, like 40 million in a 30-day period. Wow. That's amazing. He's, yeah. It means he's creating compelling content and getting it in front of the right eyes. Yeah. So I'm proud, sure. proud of them. So they're kind of my thing when I'm not working. I love hanging and, you know, as early as 1030 in the morning when they wake up, pops, what's for dinner? <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's it. You know. Oh, man. Um, cool. It's time for your fifth and final question of this round for me. What is your favorite dinner? If we were hanging out as new friends and we were going to go get something to eat in your mm-hmm. city, Chicago. Okay. I'm glad that you, you specified. Call? And you, you have the call. So what's the call? Yeah. I'm glad you specified Chicago because I was going to go back to my hometown of Cincinnati. Um, By the way, one of my favorite sitcoms of all time, of course, is WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. I used to watch that with my parents. Um, and I still, to this day, like, love the theme song. It comes on sometimes. Yeah. My wife listens to Yacht Rock Radio on Sirius XM. And I don't really think that that's super Yacht Rocky, but it's definitely on that playlist. So, like, we hear it quite a bit. And I've, like, started embracing that again. Yeah. You know, like, it's oh, the yeah, one I, like, yeah, I can't find the show. It's, like, the one old show I can't find on any platform. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wonder. Um, so if we're in Chicago, I would say, are we going casual or are we going out to a nice dinner? Can I don't I trust. I, even if I go for, well, okay. So, what's the steakhouse in Chicago that I love? Um, why can't I think of it? Uh, there's a steakhouse that they filmed the league there. Why am I blanking on the name? TV show The League. They oh, filmed yeah. there. Famous steakhouse, Chicago. Come on, Kenny. Where's Kenny? <laughs> Where's Kenny? <laughs> I'm oh, looking it man. up. No, it's how am I blanking on that name? Is Ste- it Gibson's? Gibson's, thank you. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's casual. Right, you can wear you can <laughs> but, wear whatever yeah. you want. I mean, so I would definitely go to Gibson's if we were going somewhere nice. If we were going to like, we had been out and it's late at night and we're just like crashing at a drive-through or like grabbing some really like greasy shit, I would probably take you to Portillo's. Okay. I love Portillo's. I always say that it, when I moved from Chicago, we came here on a five-year plan and we're on year 14, so we're doing great. When I move from Chicago, Portillo's will be the thing that I miss more than any other 
okay. thing or person. Great plug. That's a yeah, great plug. It's great. Have Kenny cut the clip, send it to them, have them listen to that your little endorsement and maybe, you know, a t shirt yeah. or something. I would take a t shirt or a cake shake, whichever one. There you go. <laughs> uh, your final question, I believe, right? Yeah, my last question. Okay. What is a question that you've been dying for me to ask you? <laughs> I wanted to make sure not to disappoint. Yeah, um, no, because that would be, I did pre-interview work yeah. <laughs> and I wrote down a button. No, this has been great. It's been awesome. And whatever you ask is fine, but I didn't know. I, oh, that's great. No. That's yeah. great. Sweet. So this is the third and final round, which is the paper fortune teller. Behind these, there are four different games buried. One of them is Ask Me Anything. One of them is Truth or Dare. One of them is Never Have I Ever. And the other is Two Truths and a Lie. So through a series of, of selections, we will get to the game. And then this will kind of be what we leave on. So to frame up the game, think of this as a car trip. This is our first road trip that we're doing as friends. And we're going to play uh, a playlist. Do we, and it has to be a boy band because I love boy bands. Do we start the playlist of One Direction, 98 Degrees, Backstreet Boys, or NSYNC? I have to choose one? Yeah. Um, NSYNC is Justin Timberlake? Yeah. I guess I go that. Nobody has picked 98 Degrees, which is, they have a soft spot in my heart. Okay, we're stopping for a drive through meal. Do we stop at Burger King, Arby's, McDonald's, or Wendy's? Arby's. Arby's, yeah. So that, <laughs> the game behind Arby's is truth or dare. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so you can pick, though. You can pick, yeah, I can no, ask I you know. a question, yeah. or, uh, you know, we can yeah. come up with a fun dare. No, I'll, I'll, I'll go truth. Okay. What is the most childish thing that you still do? Um, the most childish thing that I still do is eating ice cream out of the carton like that's oh wow okay like i just you know and the kids will come down and go no no you're double <laughs> triple quadruple dipping what are you doing and i'm just like like eating ice cream like i'll just at night like get out of bed go yeah take it out of the freezer put it in the microwave for 18 seconds soften it up and then just eat. like like that's about as childish as i get i mean i'm gonna be 61 years old man like childish, you know, that, that's it. I, yeah. I, there's probably other things I'm just not like thinking <laughs> of. Sure. I don't floss. I suppose that's childish in a way. Yeah. I always tell my dentist who just retired, his name is Dr. Rowan. I would say to him, cause you know, they will always ask like, when's the last time that you floss? And I would say, when was the last time I was here? That's it. There's your answer. Got it. <laughs> Got it. I also love that you told us though, 18 seconds. Cause that's like, you can't go too, too long. You can't go. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to have to give that a try. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for playing that game. This is the point of the episode where a, this oh is metaphorical. So I'm not like actually doing this. Well, I probably will in real life too, but like in the vein of Facebook, Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request. Do you confirm or delete the friend request based on our, our time today? So honestly, because I don't white lie as we established earlier, I'll probably make you wait two to three days just so you don't like get too excited and go oh my gosh we're besties this is amazing he'd like did it immediately right i just you know two three days and then i'll i'll hit accept i like that I, well i like that the end result is accept you know that i will be anxious the, the whole time while i'm waiting but yeah 
Yeah, it is, it realistic. is realistic. It's very and realistic. And the, the other thing is, please know that I'm probably going to delete my Facebook account as soon as we're done with this, just so <laughs> you, you can't find me on Facebook. <laughs> That's fair. But this, yeah, I, I, I would say, yeah, I'd, I'd accept it. That's very kind of you. Thank you so much. And for people that are listening, obviously, Mark has been a joy to have here. Can you tell listeners where they can find you, follow you, support you, what they can watch? Bank account? <laughs> routing number like it's yeah. your ad where can they find me that's scary uh no of course i'm on twitter i think on twitter i'm blutman mark and on instagram just to keep things you know fresh i'm uh mark blutman i think that's what i am um and i'm fairly uh open to engaging you know i i generally answer dms and all that stuff uh, and that's about it you know those are the two and Facebook. Awesome. Well, if you're listening, we want to hear from you at home. If Mark and I are going to hang out for the first time as friends and you could make plans for us, what would you plan? You can send us a tweet, hit us up on Instagram. You can text the podcast at 872-267-2735. Otherwise, check out Mark, give him a follow, check out some of his great work over the years of TV. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. It was great getting to know you. My pleasure. Yeah. This was great stuff. <laughs> we would be such good friends, Logan, that for Christmas, I would probably buy you the G that you lost in Cummings. I'd yeah. buy you a G to replace the one you obviously lost. Yeah. Thank you for that. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.